The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is our Monday edition of the Leach Report. And coming up today, we're going to chat with John Hale, talk about the struggles for the Kentucky basketball team last week against Alabama and Auburn. And then Jeff Pecor will join us, second half of the show, and we'll uh, get into the Wondell Robinson transfer to Kentucky and uh, what that could mean for Kentucky football and also a little uh, Kentucky women's basketball with Jeff as well. So that's our guest lineup. For this Monday, as we get into the Wildcat news of the day, and uh, we start with a loss for Kentucky basketball. <laughs> Excuse me, down at Auburn, sixty-six to fifty-nine. Kentucky slips to three and two in the league and four and eight overall. Matches a season low in points, and the bottom line was that the struggles to score are continuing for the Wildcats. Another. Negative assist to turnover day in a big way. Uh, it was about negative three to one or one to three in the Alabama game, and a similar story down at Auburn with 18 turnovers for Kentucky. And at halftime, Kentucky led by four and also led in points off turnovers, ten to five. And Auburn was not having a lot of success against Kentucky's defense. Second half, Auburn. Two things happened. Auburn drove the ball more. Uh, Flanagan, in particular, was a guy that Kentucky couldn't handle as Alan Flanagan finished with 21 points. They did a pretty good job overall on Cooper, but uh, Flanagan uh, killed him, and Auburn uh, started shooting much less threes and many fewer threes and just drove it right at Kentucky. And then the other thing was that Kentucky turned it over so frequently in the second half that Auburn got 15 points off turnovers, and several of those were uh, what they call live ball turnovers, where Auburn didn't have to go down and face Kentucky's defense and just got easy buckets, and part of the reason why the Tigers were able to score 45 in the second half. And Kentucky doesn't have anybody right now that's doing much to break down a defense and then either make create shots or pass it out to a teammate for an open shot that they would make. And so uh, until they get that fixed, uh, it's they're going to continue to fight this. So we'll talk about that uh, with uh, John Hale as well as uh, some of the post game that has uh, generated conversation among the BBN. UK women yesterday beat Vandy 80-73. to 12th-ranked Kentucky improves to 10-3 and overall and 3-2 and in the SEC. And Kentucky had to play without five players between injury and COVID issues. And one of the injury issues was Ryan Howard. So their best player was out, uh, along with four other players. Uh, and Kentucky got a great game from Blair Green, who had 22. Chastity Patterson had 16 points, seven assists, seven boards. And Treasure Hunt had more of an opportunity to play. And she finished with 11 points and five boards and gave Kentucky a big lift as well. So, nice win. I uh, was watching in the second half when Vandy was able to come from behind and take a lead late in the third quarter, 
and it looked like Kentucky was getting a little shaky for Kentucky, but they regrouped and got a win that they really uh, would have kicked themselves for letting this one get away. It was a similar story for the men, really. It was a game that uh, Kentucky should have won and let slip away, and the women's team was in that same position and uh, found a way to come out of it and uh, get the win. And Kentucky's the men have got to find a way to uh, make those plays down the stretch themselves. In the NFL playoffs, we have the matchups set for the conference championship games now, and in the NFC, it'll be Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Mike Edwards, the former Wildcat, got the interception that sealed it for Tampa Bay off a deflected pass and basically put the end on Drew Brees' career, it looks like, at New Orleans. So Mike Edwards headed to the conference championship game and maybe a Super Bowl, and if he doesn't make it to the Super Bowl, then Zedaria Smith will with Green Bay. So we're going to have a former Wildcat in the Super Bowl from the NFC side. Uh, Over in the AFC, it'll be Buffalo and Kansas City. But the games were good yesterday. Enjoyed the playoff football. Um, Max Duffy and Landon Young have been named to ESPN's all-bowl team for their performances in Gator Bowl winner NC State. Uh, Duffy was tremendous in two ways. The punts that pinned NC State back late in the game and uh, made them have to drive a long way. And then the play where he avoided having a punt blocked and by pulling the ball back from an unrushing defender and then punting it for about 42 yards, just to, an incredible play that uh, apparently was no big deal to him because it's uh, something that is done typically in, in rugby, I guess. But it, it sure was a cool thing for those of us who don't have a lot of experience with rugby. And then Landon Young, uh, Kentucky, did a lot, awful lot of running behind the uh, left side and Landon Young in particular. So nice recognition for those two guys. Links to the stories that we talk about, well, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, it is the Leach Report Radio Network. We'll be right back. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Quarter past the top of the hour, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on John Hale from the Courier-Journal courier-journal.com on the web. Uh, John, this is a uh, Kentucky team that uh, the previous Saturday looked so good against Florida, then looked uh, awful against Alabama, and I thought, well, I'm eager to see this Auburn game to see where they fall on the spectrum between those two performances. And uh, unfortunately, it was more, much more toward the Alabama side with the struggles continuing on the offensive end. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's fair at this point to kind of wonder how many of the positive strides we thought they'd made during that three-game winning streak, or maybe a little bit of fool's gold. Uh, uh, you know, maybe some product of the competition. Obviously, Vanderbilt hasn't won a, a game yet in the SEC. Mississippi State's a team that's maybe a little better than we thought, but still picked to finish in the bottom half of the league. And then Florida is still trying to find its way without Keontae Johnson. So. How good were those wins? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but we all knew that they needed wins at that point. After the six losses in a row, they just needed some positive momentum, and it looked like they were building up to these last two games. I think it's fair to say they've lost almost all of that momentum, if, if not um, maybe most of it. 
And there's the same questions we had before about, you know, the offensive spacing and who's going to make shots and what the situation is with Olivier Saar, you know, disappearing at times. Those are the same questions we've had these last two games, which is not <laughs> where John Calipari wants to be, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I think back to the second half of the, the Notre Dame game, and it uh, you, you had the sense that Cal thought, okay, we have a plan now moving forward. We're going to play through Olivier Saar. Uh, you know, he's going to give us, you know, 15 to 20 points a game maybe and uh, we'll we'll work off that and that'll be something that'll stress defenses and then that'll create opportunities for for other people and he has been very in and out Olivier as has uh, just about everybody else I was looking at Auburn in the second half they started taking fewer threes because they were struggling against Kentucky and uh, Flanagan just drove relentlessly and uh, created baskets Kentucky doesn't have anybody right now uh, that's uh, create you know that's putting that stress on the defense to cause them you know uh, Dante Allen's the one that fans talk about and and he uh, is somebody that you know people the opponents are, are clearly aware of when he is uh, in the game but they've got uh, not getting anything much off the bounce that's scaring people yeah yeah absolutely I mean you you thought that that was going to be the strength of B.J. Boston and, and Terrence Clark this year, and obviously Clark's not playing right now because he's hurt. Boston is struggling mightily. I thought that B.J. had made some strides, especially at Florida, and, and was maybe starting to figure some things out. But you know, he's regressed the last two games, I think, too. And uh, Devin Askew is is it playing much better now than he was a month ago for sure. It seems like he's the one guy who kind of figured things out a little bit in, in that December losing streak. But he's still not, you know, a, a point guard that you're gonna rely on to drive and, and get you 20 points a game that's just not his style of play so how do you get that and, and it becomes so much more difficult to get Sar the ball in the post when they don't have to respect your driving ability at all and, and teams clearly don't do that right now and you know part of his Olivia has to be more aggressive clearly and, and that's been an issue for him at times they just don't have a lot of answers I mean I, I think that Dante Allen is still such an essential piece here and I know that Cal said that he passed up some open shots which clearly he can't do uh, they need him to shoot when he's in the game but the fact that they were what plus 11 when he was on the floor and minus 15 or whatever it was when he wasn't suggests that even when he's not hitting a bunch of shots he does have this effect on spreading the court out and making some other things easier which we've talked about so many times since his breakout game so uh, having that threat out there Davion Mintz is obviously a threat from three-point range right now too but you know, he had a bad game the other night they're just not very consistent. You just don't know going into any game that you can count on X number of points or a certain type of performance from any player. And when you don't have multiple guys in, in that group that you know what you're going to get every night, let alone one, that's a really difficult recipe to try and win games. Uh, the Dante Allen is the hot-button issue, certainly, for, for fans right now. You were part of Cal's post-game uh, news conference uh, after the Auburn loss, and um, that has generated a lot of discussion. As I watch him, you've watched him for several years. You've covered him um, in these settings. He has, a, it seems, a, a flawed team that they're, they don't even, they're not sure what they do well or who they do it well with. And 
you know, for Dante, his, you know, his, it's, uh, you know, at the defensive end. And obviously, you know, Cal's a, a guy that's, uh, stresses defense heavily, but done, you know, there's a lot of guys that have defensive issues. Um, so that frustrates fans. It, it, it he seems like a guy that has a, uh, a flawed team that he gets himself in trouble by trying to, uh, not throw players, maybe, uh, all players under the bus and, uh, that uh, it ends up infuriating fans. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think it's pretty clear, and obviously, Cal doesn't need my advice for what to say. He's, he's a Hall of Fame coach for a reason, but he, he has looked at various times this year frustrated, dejected. You know, uh, he's normally Cal comes to these press conferences even when they're not playing well with two or three talking points in mind, and he's going to pound those home and stay positive regardless of what's happening, regardless of what really the question asked is. And he just hasn't been doing that nearly as much this year, and it's clear that he's just trying. Almost everything. I mean, some of those lineups that he was throwing out there on Saturday, or well, yeah, um, Saturday with the the big big lineups with three bigs in the same time. He's just trying to find something that works, and it's clear he doesn't have a lot of answers right now. And so when he's asked these questions, he doesn't have something to say really. And I think um, reading between the lines, he clearly believes that for this team to be a tournament team to you know win games when if they get to the tournament they need vj boston to play like the player everybody thought he was coming into the year and my gut is since he hasn't benched him yet he thinks that doing that would be kind of the final you know blow to his confidence and you're not sure if he could recover from that clearly he's willing to bench guys like devin ask and we saw the positive strides that came out of that move you know, some other players who you thought were role players like Dante Allen or Davion Nance or Jacob Toppin, you know, their minutes aren't guaranteed even when they're playing really, really well. And so why he doesn't do that with Boston is a, is a very fair question from fans. And Cal hasn't come up with an answer, but my gut is he just doesn't want to come out and say, you know, if, if I bench him now, he's not going to give us anything for the rest of the year because he doesn't want to put that kind of pressure on the kid, which is understandable. But when when you're worried about hurting feelings in, in press conferences, which you know I don't know really the other, other way to interpret what he said about not taking guys' hearts away the other night, that doesn't give you a lot of good other things to talk about. A lot of other logical explanations, which is going to you know direct more fire at Cal for what he's saying and, and not saying in these these events. Need to get to a break. One more segment coming up with John Hale from the Career Journal. It's at John Hale underscore CJ on Twitter. We'll be right back on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. John Hale's with us on the KentuckyHempworks.com hotline. You can read him at Courier-Journal.com. Uh, you have uh, uh, well. Let me get to a question from a listener first before the, I head that other direction. Gene uh, writes in that at leechreport at gmail dot com. The college game is guard oriented. Uh, teams don't win without elite guard play. I think that's Kentucky's biggest problem this year is that they don't have the elite guards, and that uh, it's going to be hard to have a turnaround. Uh, I, I think the inability of, of Kentucky to to really uh, you know, scare anybody there is a part of the problem right now, but hopefully they can get better. Yeah, I mean, there's it, it's just a matter of what you think of B.J. Boston and, and if Terrence Clark comes back at some point from his injury, are they the guys that you know everybody thought they were in the recruiting process, or are they the guys who have struggled so much given it this year? I mean, we'll never know how they would have played if it had been a normal offseason, a normal preseason practices and exhibitions and you know the warm-up games and all those things maybe that would have made a huge difference maybe they'll figure it out at some point later in the year because they didn't have those games 
But, I mean, it's not like B.J. Boston was a bad player. I mean, he was playing for the highest visibility high school program in the country last year with LeBron James' son and Dwayne Wayne's son, and there were cameras there all the time, and he handled that pressure really, really well. And most people came away from that team thinking he was the best player last year, which is why Cal and everybody else was so excited about him going into the season. I mean, when you have that kind of talent, he could figure it out at any point, and maybe that happens. But it's easy to understand why fans like that one and, and everybody else who have seen him play so far just don't see that happening this year. And you're starting to hear from draft analysts. Uh, I saw some, I think Sam Vecini of the Athletic tweeted the other day, maybe it's just time to, to stop talking about Boston as a, a draft pick for 2021 right now, which is okay. I mean, it's, it's okay if it takes multiple years for guys, but when your roster is constructed the way Kentucky's is, you cannot afford for the top five recruit on your play, on your team with the top ten recruit in Terrence Clark's case not to play like that because you don't have the veteran pieces around them to kind of help those guys learn along the way and, and have some bumps early. Probably two things worth not talking about for a while would be the draft status of those guys and uh, you'll see how things play out and the NCAA tournament prospects for this Kentucky team <laughs> until they just start to play better. Yeah, I mean, that's the question. I wrote a little bit about that yesterday, and it felt kind of like a foolish endeavor while I was doing it just because, of course, they're not a tournament team right now. I mean, A, they're four games under 500, and you have to be have a winning record to even be eligible for an at-large bid. And B, you can sit here and talk about, well, if they win X number of games, they'll get there. But the way they're playing right now, it's almost impossible to imagine them beating. They've got a stretch of six games in a row coming up after Georgia against top 40 teams in the net. Um, I think four of those games are against teams ranked in the top 25 right now in the coaches' poll or the AP poll. And obviously if they win a bunch of those games, then they're going to be in pretty good shape for the tournament, which is what Cal said when I asked him about it after the game Saturday. Like, we have our chances still, but nobody thinks they're going to win those games with the way they're playing. And so until they do, it's just kind of silly to talk about. And, you know, maybe more than anything, Cal's general – uh, kind of blueprint for the season, you know, bumps along the road early, figured out around Camp Cal, peak in time for the tournament, should be now about peaking in time for the SEC tournament. So you just hope you go out there and win three games in a row if you can get in the top four or four games in a row if you're not to get that automatic bid and just take it out of everybody's hands. You can uh, read that story that uh, John referenced about the, the tournament prospects at courier-journal.com as well as uh, all of the coverage about the uh, the Cats, and we will uh, chat uh, down the road. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. That's John Hale, courier-journal.com. As uh, we are coming up on the halfway point of this Monday edition of the Leach Report, uh, to Gene's point about the the guard play, I was thinking back to a Kentucky team uh, when I was uh, coming up as a Kentucky fan. This would have been, I guess, uh, my senior year of high school. Uh, after the championship year, they lost all their big guys, so they had young guys in the post that uh, hadn't quite uh, gotten to where they needed them to be yet. So it was a team that uh, really struggled early but got hot late but they had great guards on that team that uh, led the way uh, Kyle Macy uh, Truman Clater Jay Shiley we'll be right back on the Leach Report this is where the Big Blue Nation gathers it's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report followed by Kentucky Sports Radio 26 before the top of the hour from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, it is the Leach Report. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Jeff Picoro, my broadcast partner on UK football. And I want to start with the good news that came last week, Jeff, in the form of the transfer of Wandale Robinson, the former Franklin County star who comes back 
to the Bluegrass after two years at Nebraska. So what does he bring to the table for the Cats? Wow, what doesn't he bring, huh? I mean, it's, uh, it's exactly what Mark Stoops needed, and I think it really vaults this team up in the upper echelon of the uh, SEC East. Um, I mean, he is – the, the best player you can compare him to is, is he's Lynn Bowden. Um, you know, I think you're going to see him uh, do a lot of the things that Bowden did. You're going to see him uh, as, as, as the wide receiver. But I think what people don't realize about this is – you know, Ali's coming back too, and Ali is a is a is a uh, a secondary receiver on pretty much any team in the SEC. He was the focal point at wide receiver for Kentucky, so now he gets to go back to that secondary role because now you get Wandale. So that's going to open up the field a lot. Uh, it's also going to open up the field for the running game because he can take the top off. Um, you know, we're not going to see those safeties. Tommy, you and I talked about this almost all year, playing five, yeah. six, eight yards off the ball. So it's going to open things up for Chris. So I think it's going to do a lot of things that people don't really think about. All they think about is, oh, this guy's going to come in. He's going to catch a lot of passes. But I think it's going to help the overall offense immensely. It's a guy that uh, can really uh, put some stress on a defense in space. Um, you know, you see some of the highlights of uh, of him in action out at uh, Nebraska. And you mentioned Bowden. You think I think people need to think back to the Lynn Bowden of 2018, the Citrus Bowl year. Sure, yeah, uh, not, be- yeah. Yeah. Because uh, he caught sixty-seven balls and was a, was a guy who could get behind the defense as well as take a short pass and turn it into something big. Yeah, I think you're going to see him do a lot of things like that they did with Lynn. But he really reminds me of somebody like uh, you know somebody that comes to mind is someone like uh, of Florida's Percy Harvin, someone like that. Because you're going to see the whatever you want to call it, jet jet sweep or the stretch play. Um, I think you're going to see him take some direct snaps. Yeah, right. He, I mean, this kid, uh, I, if he could do it all, I mean, he was so talented in high school, and the numbers just were, were ridiculous. And, you know, his freshman year at Nebraska was huge, and last year they just didn't have a very good team. And I think it's exactly what Mark needs, especially, you know, you, you think about this, Tom, when that we're going to that bowl game, you're thinking, okay, boy, you got a lot of people to replace. Well, you really don't because you have those two linemen coming back that are going to help. You got a tight end coming back, and now you got him on the outside. And now all of a sudden you're thinking, man, whoever plays quarterback with the new, you know, with Cohen coming in, man, you got you got a lot of weapons on that offensive side of the football. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, because and now the thing that they had uh, lacked was that uh, ability to. You know, the home run hitter, for lack of a right. of a better term, right. that gets thrown around a lot. And perfect term. Uh, and now he's a, a guy that maybe can be that for you, as, as Bowden was on that team two years ago. Benny was, you know, like uh, a, a Chris Rodriguez type back. He wasn't going to, you know, get a seam and, and go eighty yards. He had long sure. runs, but uh, you know, he, he was the guy that uh, you just pound uh, at the defense with Benny, as you could do with Chris. And then uh, if you can then get Robinson either behind the defense or out in space and hit a few big plays, that's the the thing that Kentucky offensively was really missing this year. You're exactly right. Um, you know, you got the pounders. you got the guys that can get you four, five, six, eight yards. You had guys. I, I think the other thing that he brings to is, is some assurance to the court. It's A quarterback wants to know when he drops back to pass and throws the ball that it's going to get caught, you know, and, and very You've got that with this kid. He's got great hands, um, and, and I think that really puts it, anybody at peace, too. And I think it takes a lot of pressure off 
look, we've been really hammering on the wide receivers for about a year and a half now, or since Lynn Bowden had to become a quarterback. And I think this takes a lot of pressure off those other guys to simply develop because now they know this guy is, you know, he's, he's going to be the, the alpha. Now all we have to do is just do our job out there. And I think that takes a lot of pressure off a lot of guys. There was talk about he wasn't happy with how he was utilized at Nebraska. You probably watch uh, a lot of Big Ten football more so than than uh, most of us because uh, your dad's an Ohio State alum, and so you uh, you follow the the Big Ten closely too. So, what was your take on how he was utilized at Nebraska and how it might change here? Yeah, I think that when he went in there and Scott Frost got the job, I thought that he thought he was going to be a lot more like. And again, I keep bringing up the guys like a Percy Harvin and Lynn Bowden and those type of guys who are, you know, on every series, they're going to touch the ball. <laughs> it's just that's if you watch those games, they're, you know, if you, if you go two series and Lynn Bowden didn't touch the ball or Randall Cobb didn't touch the ball, you're thinking, what's wrong? And and I think that's what he thought was going to happen, but uh, it just didn't at, at Nebraska. And I don't, you know, I don't know why they, they, they really have had a downturn. Um, didn't play to the expectations I thought they were going to be. And I think a lot of people thought, I think this is a very important year for Nebraska too. And, and the jobs of some people out there. But I, I think that there were some assurances from UK that look, dude, you're exactly what this team needs. Uh, you're going to get your fair share of the ball. He's going to do his freshman year. I think they did utilize him a lot last year, not as much. And I just think, you know, there, there are certain situations that, that, that players, don't feel comfortable, and I think he always felt comfortable with the coaching staff here at Kentucky. I think it was a situation in Nebraska that favored him coming right in and being the man. Remember, Kentucky had Lynn at wide receiver, and he knew that he was going to be the second fiddle behind him um, You know, when he came out of high school. That's not the case now. And you always want to go someplace where you're wanted and needed, and that's exactly the spot here at Kentucky. Liam Cohen now comes in as the OC from – uh, the Rams of the NFL, and um, from what I've, I've read of uh, what they do and the assumption that uh, he'll be very similar, it uh, they make great use of receivers who don't have to be 6'3 or 6'4. Yeah, you look you look at the team and you think of Cup and, and some of those other receivers that they have. Uh, they do a great job of getting the ball out to those guys in space. I, I think that's one thing that um, that Sean likes to do out there, and we've seen his little coaching tree, even though he's only been there a couple of years, they're, they're snatching guys off that staff, you know, at an alarming rate. I mean, he's lost, what, his OC, his quarterback's coach. I mean, it, you know, they're they're dropping like flies out there. because I think his uh, defensive coordinator is going to the Chargers, yeah, too, isn't he? Yeah, yeah defensive coordinator is taking over the, the head coaching job. So I think they see that this is that uh, – Everybody loves that the the new thing, right? And and I think this is it. That you're just and and it's nothing new. I mean, it's it's Steve Spurrier did this. He's just trying to get your best players the ball in space, and that's exactly what they do. And I think that uh, it fits perfectly with the way Kentucky is going to try to tailor their offense. From what I think, from what I hear from Mark, and what I see, the, the you know the groupings of players and coaches that they're bringing in. What they're going to try to do is, I can't wait for spring training to see what the playbook looks like in our spring training, spring practice, to see what that playbook looks like, uh, Tom. So I think it's going to be completely different than what we've all thought, and and I think it's going to be a great battle at quarterback because you get two 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 kids that got some playing time this year and and they've got their feet wet, and I think it's going to be fun. 
Yeah, we thought uh, Joey would uh, play some in the bowl game, and the way it played out, yeah. it uh, stayed close, and uh, Terry was doing a, a, a solid job, so they stayed with him. But uh, they uh, were really pleased with a move that Joey made from the end of the season just through the, the bowl practices. So um, Bo uh, Allen is a guy that uh, got a few opportunities as well. So I would think they, they start out, especially with a new offensive coordinator, uh, somewhat even, and uh, we'll see who grabs the uh, lead. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned this to me, too, that Bo kind of hit a wall, uh, you know, that a lot of freshmen, you know, you're not used to Toward practicing. The, right at the end, yeah. And, 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 yeah, and at the end it was just kind of like, you know, almost like overload. Um, but now he's got that underneath him. He knows what he has to do, as does Joey, in the off season to get bigger, stronger, better, uh, you know, more mentally prepared for what's in front of you. And uh, I'm, I'm excited. I can't, I can't wait. Talk with Jeff Pecoro on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Uh, we'll take a break, come back, and continue. We'll talk a little uh, U.K. women's basketball as they come off a big win yesterday. And uh, that's coming up when we return on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Jeff Carl's on the line with us for another segment on our Leach Report show. Served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar. Uh, Jeff, did you watch the Kentucky men's game on Saturday? Uh, I did. Uh, the play in the second half that, uh, among, uh, along with all the discussion about how Kentucky played or who played, uh, there was talk about officials and one play in particular where – uh, it's, uh, I think, 43 all, and Davian Mintz has the ball on the left wing, and Sharif Cooper's right up on him, and Mintz swings the ball from his left hip to his right hip, and Cooper right. falls back, and it looks like you know Mintz has hit him, and it's an offensive foul, and, and as it was called as an offensive foul. And then on the replay, because uh, you know, we're calling the game off the TV screen, and I saw one, re- one angle of a replay, I'm like, I don't know if he hit him. <laughs> and then I see Cooper walking around, and he's holding his mouth. And then he goes over, and he gets a towel, and he holds it to his mouth. And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe it was just the angle that I saw it at. And then you, know, you see it later, and it's like he didn't come close to hitting him. Um, yeah. And I understand you know, the the foul, how the foul gets called. And you know, you, they they missed one, but that's a you know, if you're not right there. Uh, looking at it, it certainly looked like a foul from a, a little bit of distance away. But the thing that when they, when they go to the replay, they can't go back and take the foul off. That they're not rule doesn't permit them to do that. But what they can do is call it uh, a T or at least give a warning to Cooper. And I'm uh, shocked neither one of those things happened. Should have. I I was admitted, Tom, in the fact that I thought that uh, he may have put the towel over his mouth because he was laughing so hard into it. Maybe that was uh, it. The foul, but yeah, and I, I think the only thing we can look at, right, is a, is if it, is it a flagrant one or two, or is it just a personal foul? Yeah, because they're looking at it to see if it's a flagrant one or two, and then you yeah. see that the guy didn't hit him. <laughs> yeah, and I was just—it was a great acting job, and 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 you know, um, it, that's that's too bad because in the NBA they can call that the other way. They can they you know they have that flop rule now, and that's and those are one of the. Uh, that's some of the procedures that are under that plop rule. So interesting to say the least. But yeah, it was just that was just it was a weird game, wasn't it? I mean, you have a team that misses fourteen of its first fifteen shots. Uh, they were what two for fifteen in the first half on threes, and yet you're still behind. 
and you didn't play that. Ba- it, it, they didn't play that bad when I watched the game. It's just it, they just it's really tough. They they don't guard real good on the ball. It, it's it's just a weird team they have this year for whatever reason. I don't yeah, know. It, it just seems very very flawed, and you know, in the offensive yeah. end. When they have a day like they had Saturday, when you don't make twos, you don't make threes, and you don't make free throws at a high rate, there's not many other options. No, no, and and that was the one thing going into the free throws. They they were good when they started the year, but just you know, I, I think the other thing, and this I can I can even go back to football with this. When you start telling people about stuff and worrying about the, it gets in your head, you know. And if you keep telling a guy, you know, man, it's having a, your first question after every game is, boy, you're only you know, three of 20 on three-point shots. Yeah. Guys start getting that in their head, you know? And, and, no, and Mike will tell you, you just got to be able to just shoot yourself out of it and relax. I can definitely see that. Now, the women's uh, team yesterday, I was made, I made this comment wow. earlier. You've uh, worked a lot of their games. They had a similar situation, not in terms of struggling offensively, but a game that uh, they didn't need to let slip away. This was one they should get. And they were able to... to fall behind and then come back and get the win uh, helps mm-hmm. when you can you know make shots and, and get to 80 points but you know to do that without Ryan Howard and four other players was impressive yeah it was almost a game where they didn't play you know you, they didn't almost have enough players but you know you said Emma Emma King gets the start uh, treasure hunt gets her first start uh, of her career true freshman but Blair Green and it's great to finally see Blair is such a nice player out of the Bowling Green area and is such a great shooter and finally uh, you know, it, with her, she's one of those, I think, confidence girls. If she can make her first shot, look out. And she did yesterday. She scored 22 points, led the team. You had Chastity, who's been so good all year. But, uh, you know, shorthanded, you, you dug one out. And, and with Ryan, it's a day-to-day thing. She has an ankle injury, so they don't know when she's going to be back. But you had four other girls that were in, uh, that were in uh, COVID protocol. So that was tough. And, but that just shows the depth that Kyra has now, what Matthew left her and with the you know the, the the women that they had brought in and the transfers, well, it's a really deep team, and that showed it yesterday that they they had the ability to win an SEC game, uh, you know, on the road with 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 a with a short short bench. Uh, the ability to have a player like Howard who can take over a game as she has done at times down at Mississippi State being one um, is a a great thing to have, but then to be able to win a game without her. Um, yeah, is uh, that that's the kind of quality that you need to be able to make a, a run because you know Ryan's back, she's healthy in in March, but she gets in foul trouble uh, and you yeah. know fouls out of a game or something. You can still survive. Yeah, I, I think that the, the biggest thing to me with this team is has been the play of their of their number one point guard. I guess you could say cause they have four of them, but Chastity Patterson. Uh, you know, when she came out of high school, she was the number one point guard in the country. She went to Texas. Things didn't work out there. She ends up here at Kentucky. But her game from last year to this year has has improved, you know, 99%. I mean, she is just fantastic. And that takes a lot of the load off the right, especially in the first two games this year that Ryan didn't play in. And she was fantastic. She scored 30 in one of those games. I mean, so she's a girl that can really score. And I, and I think Blair is the other one who is the, the wild card for this team Maybe even making the final four because you know Ryan's going to get hers. I mean, she's going to get twenty every game just rolling the ball out there. They've got size on the inside, but they needed that one more score, and I think Blair can be that uh, from that uh, of the wing position that they have. They're, they're really a positionless team. Um, they they can the 
four of the girls out there can play any position. And then they have Drea and they've got Owens in the middle that have got really good size. So they finally have people that can bang on the inside, and they've got some shooters. So I think this, this team can make a really deep run. And back to football, uh, of the def- decisions related to the NFL, there were some pleasant surprises in Kennard oh. coming back, Fortner coming back in that O-line. I think fans were, were hoping that Jamin Davis, I, I think he was kind of a, uh, my guess is fans were looking at that as kind of a 50-50 thing, and uh, he ends up going to the NFL. And so I can understand it coming off a, a sensational season, strike while the iron's hot. That's a, uh, a big hole to fill, though, uh, without uh, Jamin coming back. He was the, he was the, I, I thought Corker would come back and he did. Um, you know, it was great to get the guys that came back, but boy, we talked about this all year, Tom. You know, it was, you'd look at the stats. It was another 10 tackle game, another mm-hmm. 10 tackle game, an interception and 11 tackles. And we said all year, this guy's playing himself into, you know, a, a, a top three round football player. And I, I think that's, basically what he can be. He showed great improvement. He showed that he can cover, and I think that's the one thing you're looking at. You, you Guys can always tackle a linebacker, but can they cover a guy in space? And I think he showed that this year, that he had the ability that he can play in open space and, and cover a tight end down the field. And that, if you're playing in the NFL, that's the key for a linebacker. You I mean, you look at Danny Trevathan, undersized guy, but he's been playing in the NFL for how many years now? Because he can cover down the field, and he doesn't. He's not afraid to stick his nose in there and hit somebody. I think Davis is the same type of player, but yeah, he even has a little bit better size than Danny does. Jeff, thank you much. Hi, right, buddy. Have a great one. That's Jeff Picoro, and we'll get to a break. Come back and wrap up this edition of the Leach Report. Served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And check out their new online ordering system. If you're looking for curbside pickup or just want to order through DoorDash, they've got a partnership with them now. Give Wild Eggs a call for breakfast, brunch, or lunch. This day in Wildcat history presented by the new Rave On app. 1969, Kentucky beat Tennessee in Knoxville to become the first program to 1,000 wins. And a happy birthday to former Wildcat QB Patrick Tolles. Uh, future Wildcat Damian Collins, a basketball recruit, named as one of 25 players on the watch list for the Naismith High School Basketball Player of the Year Award. It's going to do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report Radio Network. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. See you next time.